Good morning. It's good to see you guys this morning. My name is Derek, and um, welcome to part two of a five-part series that is called Pray. I was going to do a little recap of last week for those of you who were out of town for the holiday weekend, but instead I'm going to ask my friend Dave. Um, Dave, if you'll, if you'll join us up here. I've asked Dave, instead of a recap from last week, uh, Dave was gonna, is going to share a story of something that God has done through prayer. And, and I invite all of you, I asked you last week, throughout this series, please share um, any story that you have of what God is doing through your prayers. Just send us an email at stories at trygrace.org. So, Dave, go ahead. You've got a story to share. So, I get a call from a co-worker and a uh, friend. His name's Jim. And... Uh, his uh, daughter's boyfriend of two years has been involved in a, a serious automobile accident. He has uh, C2, 3, and 4 broken, uh, internal bleeding, and uh, the prognosis is not good. Uh, I asked Jim where he was. He's driving. I told him to pull over. Uh, as he pulled over, I said, are you over? He said, yeah. I said, bow your head. I said, uh, Lord Jesus, we come to you as brothers, and uh, I need you to heal Jason's neck. I need you to be with the EMTs, the doctors, the nurses, the technicians, and, uh, uh, and Jason uh, through this concern. We believe in your healing power. Uh, we need you to do this for us. Jim got off and went to the hospital and was with Jason. Uh, after surgery, the uh, doctor came out and met with uh, Jason, Jason's parents and uh, my friend Jim. He says, I've been doing this for a long time. He said, uh, I can't explain it. He said, this boy was touched by the hand of God. Last Thursday... He walked out of the hospital. Jesus loves us. He hears our prayers. Don't be afraid to pray, pray, pray big. Thank you, Derek. Thanks, Derek. So if you have a story to share, big or small, what God is doing... Um, through your prayers, uh, please email it to us, stories at trygrace.org. So last week, we talked about praying big, and this week we're talking about praying frustrated. Um, today we are going to look at a type of psalm that is called the lament. Don't mind what's happening behind me, they're getting something set up uh, for a little bit later on in, in the message. So we're going to look at the psalm of lament today. The psalm of lament is the cry out to God. It's a, it's a prayer of frustration, just asking God, God, please, you have to help me. This psalm of lament is actually the most common type of psalm of the different types of psalms in the Bible, in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Of the 150, about 40% of them are psalms of lament. Now, some of you are here today and you're like, well, that's great and everything. We're talking about those psalms. But if there's one kind of prayer I actually know how to pray, it's that prayer. It's asking God to help me. I have no issue with that crying out, asking for God to help. In fact, you may be thinking, and who doesn't know how to pray that prayer? 
whether you go to church or whether you don't, whether you're, you're here on a regular basis or you haven't been in a long time, who doesn't know how to ask God for help? How, how helpful can this sermon be today? Well, I remember a time, and, and you're right, you're definitely right, um, we all know how to ask God for help. I remember when I was in my early 20s, and then I had just been out of the way of all things religious, and, um, and so yeah, I really wasn't praying or doing anything, but I got to tell you, there was one type of prayer that I had no problem praying. You know what that type was? It's the bathroom prayer. Anybody else? do the bathroom prayer. It doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual journey, but it's those times when you feel so bad, you are so terrible that you are in the bathroom. No details needed, okay? You are in the bathroom and you are just like, oh God, please, you got to help me. I mean, we laugh, but it's serious, right? This is, it's like primal. It's instinctive. You don't need coaching on this. No one has to tell you to do that. You just cry out to God, and you ask for help. Everybody does that. You might be thinking, that's right. I mean, shoot, even atheists pray at certain times, right? These kind of prayers, asking God for help. You guys have maybe heard this one. This is, this is the one about the atheist who's out hiking out in the woods. So he's out in the Rockies somewhere on a trail by himself, this atheist. And um, all of a sudden, he's out he's hiking alone, way deep out in the woods. And he comes across a grizzly bear and he just freaks out in the moment and he forgets all of his training and what you're not supposed to do. And what does he do? He just takes off running. And so he starts running and the bear is like, cool. So the bear takes off after this atheist and they're running. And of course the bear's catching up. The guy kind of peeks back as he's sprinting along. He peeks back and he trips over a rock. Boom. He goes down. Now he's laying on the ground. He looks up and there's this bear. It's standing over him, raises up its right paw to take a big old swipe out of this guy. And in that moment, the atheist goes, oh God, please, you got to help me. In that moment, everything freezes. Time stands still. The bear is frozen in time. Everything stops. The clouds part. The heavens open and this light shines down. And there's the voice of Jesus. And Jesus says to the man, okay, so you ready for me to save you? You ready to believe in me? And the atheist looks up at heaven and he says, well, I don't know that I'm ready to believe in you. I mean, my whole life I've spent arguing against you and ridiculing all my friends who, you know, are Christians. I can't possibly say that I'm ready to believe, that I'm ready to be a Christian. I mean, that would just be too much. But Jesus says, okay, well, then what do you want me to do? And the atheist says, well, well maybe instead of, you know, me being a Christian or whatever, could, could you just make the bearer a Christian? That'd be all right. So Jesus says, Sure. That's what you want. All of a sudden, clouds close back up, light goes away, and time unfreezes. And the bear that was standing over this atheist, ready to just, just swipe him with this huge paw, all of a sudden this paw very peacefully comes together with the other paw, and the bear is standing over the man. <laughs> and miraculously, the bear speaks, and the bear is bowing in prayer, and he says, Lord, For this bounty which I am about to receive, I give thanks. I mean, even atheists know how to ask God for things, don't don't they, right? So why in the world are we doing a sermon all about how to ask God, 
how to cry out to God. This is primal. It's instinctive. Well, here's why, in case you're wondering, well, why do we need a lesson about this? Okay, here's the deal. Asking God for something is nothing like asking, asking um, the drive through person at your McDonald's like for a value meal, okay? It's not about crying out and just getting the request met. It's so much more than that. And that's what we're going to look at today. These Psalms of Lament, they are so deep, they are so rich, and there is so much more going on than a simple ask for help. We all know how to do that. But let's talk about what else is happening. So if you brought your Bible, you want to follow along, we're in Psalm 22. Now, Psalm 22 was written by a guy named David. Now, many of you know David. This is the David of David and Goliath. This is the David who was king of Israel 3,000 years ago. This was David who has an incredible relationship with God. He wrote many of the Psalms that we have in our Bible. And so here is David in Psalm 22. Just a little background for you. David in this Psalm is surrounded by his enemies. Surrounded. And he, in his great frustration, is crying out to God for help. This is the psalm of lament. Now, we're going to start in the middle of the psalm, verses 19 through 21, and then we're going to check out what's going on before and what's going on after. So jumping right into the middle, because this is the heart of the matter. This is where David makes his big request, and this is what he says. Lord, don't be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. Now, he's referring to those animals and the sword. That's all references to his enemies. Basically what David is doing is he's crying out. This is the bathroom prayer, right? God, please just help me. Save me. Deliver me. Rescue me. Every one of us in this room, we got this down, don't we? We know how to do this. We've done this many times before. But the powerful thing about the Psalms of Lament is actually what happens before the ask and what happens after the ask. And that's what I want to talk about today. So let's check out what happens before David makes his request. Verses 12 through 18. Check out what David says to God in his prayer to God. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. Again, he said, my enemies are just too much for me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. Can you feel the hopelessness? Can you feel the desperation in David? My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. A potsherd is like a broken piece of clay that has like a piece of pottery that's gotten so dry it's cracked and it's just on the ground. So he says, my mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and they gloat over me. He's desperate. He's humiliated. He says, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. What is David doing here before he makes his request? Well, quite simply, he is praying frustrated. He is just laying out all his complaints to God. 
This is so important because these psalms of lament, they're, they're powerful. And the reason they're powerful is because they begin with a complaint to God. So what, what we do before we ask, before we make the ask, when we pray out to God, when we pray frustrated, the first thing that God wants us to do is to complain. If you want to write that in, there's only two things to remember for today, and this is the first one. Complain. Before you make the ask, complain to God. Now, this seems a little counterintuitive, doesn't it? I mean, our whole life, what are we taught not to do? Complain. When you're, when you're a kid, what do your parents tell you to do? Man, stop whining. Quit complaining. Let's just, just get on with it. We don't want to hear that. That's what we teach our kids, don't we? We Don't complain. I remember uh, my first job out of school. I was a business major, and I went into business consulting. I was working in Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, we would go on these project sites and work for different clients, and man, the hours were crazy, and some, I mean, it was just, sometimes it was ridiculous, some of the stuff that we were expected to pull off, and so there would inevitably be some grumbling and some complaining that would go on. I'm sure none of your workplaces could possibly be like that, you know, where people would actually complain, but this happened where I was, and so one time I remember I was just really frustrated because the client just, they weren't buying into to what we wanted them to do, and I was, I remember just talking to my, my boss about it, my first boss named Brent Slusher. And, uh, and so he looks at me and he goes, Derek, let me tell you something. Life sucks. Get a helmet. <laughs> he would say this over and over and over again. Life sucks. Get a helmet. Okay? What's, what's the takeaway there? Don't complain. I don't want to hear it. Get your helmet on. Okay? So the reality is we get told all the time that we're not supposed to complain. You, you ever had one of those kind of conversations where you, you'll, you'll see someone, you're like, hey, how's it going? Oh, can't complain. What do they say next? Or what do you say next? Well, you know what they say. It wouldn't do you any good anyway, right? So we're, we're, we're taught not to complain all the time. Don't complain. It's not going to do you any good. You ever been around somebody who just complains constantly? Don't raise your hand if they're sitting right next to you. Okay, that'd be weird. But... The reality is most of us haven't spent a lot of time around people who complain constantly. You know why? Because we don't like to hang out with those people. We avoid them like the plague, don't we? So why in the world would God invite us, direct us? No, no, complain. Bring your complaints to God. Why would God want us to do that? Why are all these psalms of men, why do they all start the same way? Why does God invite us to do that? Here's why. Because our relationship with God is completely different than any other relationship in this world that we have. It's different. See, here's the reality. When you complain to other people, they act like they're interested, and they might be for like the first couple minutes. But after a while, you know, when they're nodding and, oh yeah, that's so terrible and all that stuff that they're doing, they really don't care. Like after a while, you know, because you've been on the back end of this, right? After a while, you're just kind of thinking, okay, seriously, how much longer is this person going to talk about this? We need to just, it's time to move on, right? The only one who actually cares about every detail is God, right? That's the only one. Check out what Jesus says. He cares about every detail of our lives. Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, Jesus says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. 
See, the reason that God invites us to complain is because God actually cares about all the details. He's infinitely patient and actually wants us to complain to him because he cares about us. There's a few of you who are here today, and this is the sermon takeaway that you needed to hear. Here's the application point that would just be such a blessing to you and many people around you. You ready? There's some of you, and you need to spend less time complaining to people who don't really care and more time complaining to the God who does. That deserves an amen. That was pretty good. You spend less time complaining to people who don't really care and more time complaining to the God who does. Now, here's the deal. This is such an important point, okay? So don't miss this. If you tuned out on me for a minute, I need you to come back right now, okay? When we think about our prayers for help, the thing we're primarily concerned about is relief, right? The bathroom prayer. Just please fix it, solve it, make it right, deliver me, whatever. When we pray for help, our primary concern is relief. But to God, God's primary concern is relationship. It's relationship. Our concern is relief. God's concern is relationship. Now, does that mean God's not interested in answering our prayers or giving us relief? No, it doesn't mean that at all. God grants answers to prayer all the time. God loves to bring us relief. But here's the thing, okay? Stepping back from our view down here at this level and thinking of it from God's perspective for a minute, what happens when God gives us relief for that prayer that we pray today? What's happening tomorrow? There's some other issue. There's some other problem, right? This is life. Jesus said, you're going to have problems in this life. Is God happy to give us relief? Yes. But God knows that tomorrow there'll be something else. So God's primary concern, his ultimate concern, is the relationship that we have with him. And that's really what these Psalms of Lament are ultimately about. The reality is this. Complaints to God bring us closer to him. Our complaints bring us closer to him. So God actually invites us to pray frustrated because he wants to hear it for the sake of the relationship that we have with him. For some of you, this is a mind-blowing concept. You've thought, how can I possibly bring my complaints to God? I've been told you don't complain ever. Why would I complain to God? Well, this is something that you actually need to do for the sake of your relationship. Now, others of you, you're here and you're like, man, I got this one down, man. I, I, I complain to God all the time. I got this thing licked. I mean, God and I, we're so tight and God knows all the things that's going on with me. And I just want to say, if that's you, that's awesome. That's actually the goal. That's what God wants. But if that's you, okay, and you're able to complain about your problems and your situation and whatever, and you can bring that to God, that's cool. But let me tell you something. That's only the shallow end of the pool. It's only the shallow end. We, we can go way deeper than that. Let me, let me tell you how this is going to work. So David, when he prays and he complains, he doesn't start. Okay, we're only in verses 12 through 18. He actually doesn't begin by complaining about his problems, by complaining about his enemies. He starts with something far more intense than that. Check out how the psalm begins. Psalm 22, verse 1 and 2. Opening lines of David's prayer. This is deep. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out day by day. But you, you don't answer. By night, but I find no rest. You see what David's doing here? He's not complaining about his problems. He's not complaining about his enemies. What's he complaining about? He's complaining about God. Whoa. He's complaining about God to God. Does anybody else feel uncomfortable? Is anybody else wondering why David didn't get struck down by something for this kind of prayer? I mean, this is total irreverence. This is disrespect. This is just flat out, God, what's up? Where have you been? I mean, it doesn't get any more real, any more bold, the audacity that David has to say this kind of prayer. But you want to know something? You want to know why prayers like this are all throughout the book of Psalms? Because God is showing us, look, this is how I want you to pray. This is mind-blowing that God would actually invite us to be irreverent. But that's exactly what he's doing. You see, God wants us to bring our complaints to him, not just about our problems, but even our complaints about him. Because here's a little tip for you, in case you didn't know this. God already knows what you're thinking, okay? He already knows. So you may be like, there's no way I could do that. Okay, that's great. That was David. You know, he had his deal going on. And I don't know why he didn't get struck down by something, but I ain't gonna pray that irreverent prayer. I don't care how many Psalms are in there. That's not my style. I'm not gonna do that. There's no way that you should do that. Well, let me tell you why you can confidently and boldly come before God and voice your complaints, even about God to him. Here's why. Because Jesus Christ prayed the same exact prayer. That's why many of you, this verse is familiar to you. When Jesus hung on a cross, he said these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, in that moment, Jesus hung on a cross as a sacrifice, as a payment for all the sins, all the wrongdoing, all the evil in the world, including every mistake, everything that you and I have ever done as a way to satisfy God's justice so that not by what we do and our good works, but actually just by faith in Jesus Christ and confessing we're not God and we're not perfect, we could be made righteous before God. That's, that's faith and that's the grace of God. That's how we are declared righteous in the eyes of God. If you've never heard that before, that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. When he hung on that cross and he took on all the weight, all the sin, all the terrible stuff of the world, he prayed this prayer. Jesus, the son of God, had the greatest relationship with the father, God the Father, God the Son. So this shows you what a relationship can be like, a relationship with God. And some of us need to pray this prayer. Jesus did, so you can pray that same prayer. And let me tell you, there are some of you here today, and you absolutely, desperately need to do this. Because here's the thing. You've had some things happen in your life that you wish hadn't happened and maybe things haven't exactly turned out the way you wanted, and um, that's caused you pain, and that's caused you frustration. But I think at a deeper level, sometimes a level we're not even in touch with, yeah, we're frustrated about those things. We're frustrated by our situation. We're frustrated by our circumstance. 
But ultimately, if you'll push in and really wrestle with this for a minute, could it be that you're actually frustrated with God? I mean, God can do anything, right? Why didn't God come through for you? Could it be that you're actually mad at God? And this is the prayer that God actually invites us to pray. And here's the thing. When we don't pray that prayer, we actually build a wall between us and God. Because basically what we do is we make this assumption that there are certain things that we're not going to say to God. And so God wouldn't possibly want to hear that. That's not appropriate. Or God doesn't care anyway because God hasn't answered my prayers before. God isn't really interested in the details of our lives. Whatever it is, but if there are certain prayers that you cannot pray, there's a wall between you and God. And what you have to do, what I encourage you to do, okay, for the sake of your faith, for the sake of your relationship, is to bring your complaints to God. Even the complaints about God, bring them to God. And when you do this, when you pray real, raw, honest, irreverent prayers, where you say, God, for years I've been praying. Where were you? Why haven't you heard me? God, I just feel like I'm totally abandoned by you. My greatest moment of need, nothing. What's the deal, God? Huh? I'm ticked, God. I'm furious. What's the deal? When you can get totally real with God, okay, this is scary. It's irreverent, okay? It is, but God invites us to do it for the sake of the relationship that he has with us. When we do that, it tears down a wall that leads to unbelievable things. If you will get past your fears and you'll be willing to really get real with God and complain to him, you gotta do it. But here's the, here's the important thing, okay? Don't leave me now. Don't lose me at this point because if you do this without the second thing, you're in a world of hurt, all right? So the first thing is we've got to complain. We've got to complain. He invites us to do it. But the second thing, after we complain, we proclaim. After we complain, we proclaim. And I'm going to unpack this for you right now. So David, in this prayer, man, he is complaining big, big stuff to God. Then he makes his ask. He makes the big request, deliver me. And then look what he says next, okay? The turning point in every one of these Psalms of Lament is on the proclamation. He says in verse 22, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. This is the guy who's just been complaining to God. Where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Now he's praising God. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. What David is doing here is he is proclaiming that he will praise God. He's saying, God, you've heard my prayer. You haven't ignored me. And I believe that you are going to answer me. So you can never stop. You see this in in all the Psalms of Lament, you see this. There's a complaining, 
but it never stops there. It always ends with proclaiming who God is. See, here's the thing. If you just stop at complaining, what happens is the wall's been broken down, and that's a great thing. But there's a lot of rubble everywhere. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's now been stirred up. And what happens is if you don't take it any further than this, then you find as you're just trying to navigate life and a relationship with God that you've got all this stuff in your way that you're tripping over and you're stumbling upon and you're stubbing your toe on, right? Because there's all this stuff that's been stirred up. And so what you, 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 have, you have to go past just complaining and you have to move to, comp- to proclaiming. Because otherwise, here's what will happen. And this is totally natural. This will happen to you, okay? You have that real, honest prayer to God. Okay, God, where are you? You know, you've, you've left me in my time of need. Why hasn't this happened to me? And you basically just thrown it all on God. If you leave it there and the wall comes crashing down, you stand in the rubble and here's what you say. You know what? I'm done with this, man. This is a totally natural feeling, okay? Many of you will have this if you actually try this. You know what? Forget it. I'm not coming to church anymore. I mean, God hasn't been there for me. Why am I going to go? I'm not going to try and read my Bible. I'm not going to pray. Forget it. I'm done. Totally natural, normal response that you could have when you voice your complaints to God. You cannot stop there. It will be disastrous for you, okay? In fact, what I want to encourage you to do is if you feel that whole I'm done thing, like you're just so angry with God, make that part of your complaining to God. Wrap that all in there. But then there's always a turning point in the psalm of lament. And that's where we turn and we say, you know what, God? I don't understand. I don't understand where you've been. I don't understand all this rubble. But you know what? You're God. And I believe that you're good. I believe that you love me. I know that your ways are higher than my ways. I got a lot of pain and there's a lot of stuff I don't get, but God, I'm still going to admit that you're God and I'm not. And I am going to praise you even in spite of what's going on with me. Now, that's a very difficult thing to pray, but what you'll find is as you make that proclamation, as you praise God, even in the midst of the storm, you'll find that it actually clears the path. The rubble doesn't go away. This takes a lot of time. But at least you're not stumbling around. The proclamation kind of makes a path to you to be able to have a healthy relationship with God where it's not just about you being frustrated. So we got to do that. We complain, tear the wall down, And then we proclaim that clears that path and opens that relationship up between us and God. But I'd be remiss if I said that all that David did here in his proclamation was praising God for who he is. Because David has something else going on here. David is confident. He's proclaiming confidently that God has heard him and God's going to answer him. Now, I don't know where David gets that confidence. We know David was a great man of faith. We don't know where he gets the confidence that God is going to deliver him in the midst of this crazy situation, but he has it. But I can tell you what, we don't know where David gets his, but we know where we get ours. And that is from Jesus Christ, who came to this earth to teach us about God and basically his promises to us. And this is what Jesus tells us. This is a promise of Jesus Christ that you can cling to when it comes to prayer. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And look at what he says in verse 9. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. This is a promise from God. We ask, it will be given. And so we can confidently proclaim, even in the midst of our struggle, God, you hear our prayers. God, you tell us if we ask, it will be given to us. We confidently, we come before you in faith with confidence. If you remember in the Gospels, if you've read the Gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus' life, over and over and over again, Jesus says something mind-blowingly mysterious to people he heals. He says, he says what? He says, your faith has made you well. Because of your faith, it will be done to you. Your faith has healed you. Now, that doesn't just mean if we conjure up enough faith that God's going to do whatever we want. But there is, there is something mysterious and awesome about the fact that God takes our faith and he works in the midst of that somehow. I don't fully understand that. But the reality is if we come in faith and we come confident, God says, I will give you what you ask. Now, here's the catch. Here's the catch. It's not always in our time, is it? It's not always the kind of way that we want that answered. And that's the hard thing. But that is where we just commit to saying, we're going to proclaim, God, even when we don't understand, you know, maybe you're not going to answer in the exact way that I want, but we are believing that you are going to answer in the way that you know best, not necessarily the way that we think is best. So we complain and then we proclaim. Complain and then we proclaim. That's what we see in all these Psalms of lament. That's how we make a big request of God because ultimately for us it's about relief. For God it's about relationship. Don't lose sight of the relationship in the midst of your need. So as we close, last week I issued a little challenge, the first 15 challenge. A number of you took me up on that challenge. Basically the challenge is I challenge you to give your first 15 minutes to God and see what God does with the rest of your day. We talked last week, the challenge was to pray big, to focus on who God is. Let me try and put a little bit more structure to this first 15 challenge. If you want to get on board, we got a, about a month or so of this series. So it'd be awesome if you started every day this way. Here's what it can look like, okay? The first 15 in five-minute chunks. Praise, read, pray. Praise, read, pray. First five minutes, Praise God for who he is, what he's done. Maybe that looks like a worship song for you or you're reading through those psalms, like Psalm 90 to 120, a lot of praise psalms in there. Second five minutes, you're reading somewhere in God's word and you're asking the question, what does this teach me about God? What does this that I'm reading teach me about who God is? And then the final five minutes is pray. And we kind of know what we're praying about this week, don't we? This week, what I want to challenge you to do is to be real with God like you've never been real before. Lay it all on the line. God invites you to complain, and not just about your problems, but about him. God is not insecure. He can handle you. Believe me, he can, okay? So what I want you to do this week is pray frustrated. If you have something that's frustrating you, take it to God, because let me tell you, he wants to hear it more than anyone else, believe you me, okay? So we'll, we'll complain, but then end, end that prayer time always like the psalmist does in the psalm of lament with focusing on who God is, proclaiming his goodness, okay? Don't just stop and complain. You must end by proclaiming. That is the healthy way to have this dialogue with God. So 
We're going to close this morning. We've got a couple minutes uh, before we end. And I'm going to ask our music team if, uh, if you guys would come back up on stage and, uh, and lead us in a final song. And this is really just a song where we are just asking for God's help. It's called Lord, I Need You. We, we played it um, before the message, and we're going we're gonna to sing it again. And what I want us to do in this song is I want you to use this as some sacred space where you could carve out a little time between you and God. Because the reality is, for many of us, we're going to be like, oh man, that was, that was pretty cool. And then you run out of here and you grab the food on the food truck and your week gets crazy and whatever. I, I want us to carve out time right now to do some business with God. Some of us need to do that. For some of us, we've never complained to God before and we have some stuff we need to talk to God about during this song. For others of us, we just need help with the proclaiming part. That's our struggle. Others of us, we, we just need help to even have words to pray. We, we need help to have the faith to pray. And that's where our prayer team comes in for you, if that's you. Just during that song, just come right on over there. We, we're going to have some folks down there who would love to pray with you. So I want to pray for us. And, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to stand and sing this last song. Um, so just stay seated for right now. If you want to use that last song just to do business with God, whatever you want to do, just stay seated and just use that time, okay? And then we're going to go chow down on some good food. So um, let's, let's pray. God, um, we thank you for these psalms and uh, the fact that you've given them to us to teach us how to connect with you. Lord, thank you for caring enough about us to actually want to hear our complaints because the relationship is so valuable to you. Lord, help us to just voice those complaints. Give us the courage to be irreverent because you've given us the permission to do so. And then, Lord, give us the faith that we might not even have to still proclaim that you're God and you're good and that you've heard us so that we don't end up with just rubble all around us. Lord, tear down walls and help us, God, wherever we are in our time of need. Just meet with us now as we sing this final song to you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.